All right, thanks for joining us on this Tuesday morning. We got a guest coming up, Gordon Monson. The guest line is now. We call it, actually call it the Smart Rain guest line because it's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. You can find out more at smartrain.net. Joining us now, you hear him on the big show, two to six. He writes for the Watchdog. Gordon Monson. Gordon, I'm going to start off, man. I listened to your show. Tell me, why are you so high on the Jazz and thinking that they're actually going to win the title in 21-22? Because it's apparent that you think that. Never said that. (laughs) Never said that. (laughs) I didn't say you said that. I said it's apparent you think that. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way you're drawing conclusions, PK. (laughs) I just said they. I think they're better than they were, uh, better prepared to uh, handle what the NBA will bring, especially in the playoffs. Don't know if they'll win a title, uh, and I have not said that. But you are the first person, PK, in my career who ever called me a homer. I didn't call you a homer. I'm a homer. You act like being a homer is so bad. I don't. Uh, homers, we're all homers. Come on, everybody's a homer. You act like that's like the like, I don't know a, a, a triple quadruple times a thousand axe murderer. <laughs> you, oh, you take yeah. it like it's so bad. That's the worst thing. You know, have, draft dodging. Never... You know what? Whatever. Whatever in your day that gets. Get you fired up. I, mean, I want all the teams to win. I mean, I don't really care in the final analysis, but sure, yeah. We're just talking about Zach Wilson. I want him to do well. Now, if he doesn't do well, does it really matter to me? But I like the kid. I want to see him do well. So does that make me a homer? Fine. Makes me a homer. Who, how do I care what other people think about me? What does it, what does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. We'll let that be. I do think the Jazz are, are better improved and more flexible, more uh, versatile, I guess. But we'll see how that turns out. You know, so much of it depends on how healthy the team is when it matters most. And uh, I know people look at that as an excuse. But, I mean, the Lakers last year really got hurt by injury. I think the Jazz were as well at the end. But anyway, uh yeah, I mean, I, I think they've they've done a nice job this offseason, did what they had to do to try and, and edge the thing forward. Speaking of... Uh, Go Jazz! Woohoo! Speaking of, yeah, <laughs> speaking of Zach Wilson, do you see what Phil Simms said about him? He went out to Jets practice and was really impressed by the dude. So we'll see how it goes for the former Cougar. I am not only interested in what Phil Simms says, I want to hear what Molly Sims and Chris Sims have to say about Zach Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) Well, Phil's son, Chris, played a little quarterback, actually had been extremely high on him. That's right. Going back into before the draft, and as he was evaluating quarterbacks last between the end of the season and preceding the draft, so in those uh, late winter, early spring months, he had been saying that Wilson, he, I, I think it was him, floated the possibility of taking Wilson ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I remember that now. I do remember that. So maybe there's a familial thing going on there. But, PK, I will give you credit because 
you uh, you saw the talent in Zach Wilson and were convinced of it before most of the rest of us were. So I a tip of the cap to you on that. Uh, you saw you saw what uh, emerged, and so we'll see where it goes from here. But you know, I saw the plays on Saturday. He looked pretty good against the Giants. We'll see what happens when uh, Sala opens the playbook a little more and lets him uh, wing it around. Yeah, that's interesting you say, speaking with Gordon Monson, Big Show fame, is that I saw it. You know, I would debate whether I saw it on my own or was the fact like a lot of the stuff that I say is gathered through information. Because I'll be the first to admit, I'm not a talent evaluator at the professional level. I mean, that's the thing about sports is that we can have fun with it and I can say you're going to think the Jazz are going to win and we can debate that and, you know. Whether they do or not, and no one really knows, and we won't know till next late spring, early summer. But we can make these bold proclamations and have fun with it because it's just sports talk. In the end of the, as they say, as Donovan Mitchell says, at the end of the day, that it you know it's just it's for fun. It's it, the, all, this job. That's what makes this job so awesome. Is we're just having fun. I mean, I view sports talk as having fun, and Homer, not Homer, this team, that team. Mm, I don't really get caught up in it. It's all for fun. Uh, but when I make these proclamations, it's not necessarily through my own ability. Sometimes it is, and maybe you just have a hunch or a gut feeling. But it's more through people that actually do it for a living. And they're the ones who are far more expert at it than I am. Now, we've been around enough that we ought to be able to have some idea who's good and who's not because just by sheer duration and length of watching practices and whatnot and games for so long as you and I have done, we can come to at least somewhat respectable conclusions about player XYZ. But for Wilson, it's more along the lines of people who know specifically what they're talking about told me. Then I take that information combine it with what I see because you have to see it yourself too and then you can go and make those not necessarily guesses but uh, more along the lines of having some knowledge behind it and people to tell me that you know the so-called it factor Wilson had it and I think and maybe it's the fan in me and I don't have any problem admitting it that it's the fan in me that wants to see him do well so I'm going to say he's going to be an excellent quarterback and we had a guy that you've known for very long time uh, Robbie Bosco the other days a couple of weeks ago say that he thought he was going to be an exceptional quarterback so I'm going to hang my hat on that Gordon and I'm stating without hesitation Zach Wilson the AFC 2021 Rookie of the Year. Uh, I'm in San Bernardino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was long. I It was a soliloquy, but it was not a ramble. I was on point the entire time. You were. You were. Let me say a couple things about uh, what you said. First of all, yeah, I know, uh, and, and people sometimes think we're just making stuff up, but I know you for all these years, and a lot of us, uh, we, we do talk with people. And it's interesting how coaches and others sometimes tell us things that are the straight-out truth that they won't say publicly. You oh, know? For sure, yeah. And then we can't out them by saying what right. they said because they told us off the record. And I know you do that on the reg, and uh, a lot of us do, or at least some of us do. So that, that that's an interesting deal where – 
people say, well, this coach said this or that, you know, publicly. Well, you know, take that with a grain of salt. And uh, sometimes it's frustrating because we know what he said publicly, but we also know what was said directly to us by people who know. So anyway, that's uh, that's. Uh, and I don't have any problem with you, uh, you know, wanting a, a feel-good story about some some kid who you saw play in the early years. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I I just have a problem when it turns into bias one against another, that kind of thing. Yeah, I actually saw Bryce Harper play baseball when he was 12. Yeah. And I uh-huh. thought, okay, this kid's going to be something. Turns out he's not bad. It might be the rookie, or not the rookie of the year, the MVP this season. He's in contention for your Philadelphia Phillies. And so some kids you can identify early on. And then you you get into some information. And then that's really interesting about what you're saying about uh, coaches saying stuff. Because I could say stuff right now, right now, about BYU and Utah quarterback situation but I don't feel comfortable saying it right now because I have been told stuff pertaining to the quarterback competitions right now at both schools. But I, and even it was said to me in an off the record manner, but I don't even want to say it right now because I feel like that would give up guys. And the last thing you can call me a Homer all you want. I don't care, but don't ever say that I give up guys and I say something and attribute it to someone when that person did not want any attribution at all. Whether I'm a homer or not, I don't care what you think, but it is real important to me that newsmakers slash coaches, athletic directors, general front office people know full well that they can trust me 100%. That, to me, matters a trillion times more than if somebody thinks I root for the Cougars or Utes. The trust that I have built in my name, knowing if you you tell me something, it goes nowhere. It stays right here with me, never to be revealed under any circumstance. That is the most important aspect of my journalism career. So, PK, tell the truth. How many empires could you crush by telling the truth? You burn the te- you burn the city <laughs> down. I mean, we, it's funny. Sometimes people say, "Okay, I'm going to tell you this, but please don't repeat it." And I say, "Man, <laughs> look, there's a couple of guys in this town that know a whole lot about everything, but uh, you know, we can't we can't talk about it because it is it was told to us in confidence." Right. So, right. I mean that that happens, and that's a part of being. You know, you're a great reporter. You've always been. And that's a part of uh, sort of seeking uh, journalistic truth. It sounds a little highfalutin, but you know what I'm saying. You know, you're trying to find out what's really going on. And sometimes you have to wade through some stuff and keep some stuff to yourself in order to get, the, you know, the, the, the bigger flyover, you know. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I would say probably I would have revealed maybe 25 percent, 30 percent of what I know. Uh, because you, I just won't do it. I, I will not ever give up. And even if somebody, if I have an adversarial relationship with them, uh, I will not. And I've had people who've had adversarial relationships with who've told me stuff, and I won't give them up under no circumstance. will never, ever happen. That's just not the way. That that credibility means more to me than anything I've ever said or written. The fact, that, And, in fact, I actually enjoy that I take a sense of pride that somebody who doesn't necessarily like me is still willing to tell me something because they know full well it goes nowhere. And so that's important to me. 
You know, the problem with you, Kinahan, is you don't even like yourself. I don't. And There's two things I don't like. One is me, and one is you. And the DK answers that response. All I can tell you is, Coach, on on Christmas morning, I'm going to be opening presents with my kids, and you're going to be breaking down film. Well, sometimes you have to have... You have to go back. And actually, I've found that if you go back at someone, that person ends up respecting you more because he, I don't know if he likes it, but he respects that you're willing to challenge him. (laughs) For those who don't know, we are talking about a big man who used to coach basketball at Utah. So uh, that's the inside story. A phenomenal coach. One of the, and that's Rick Majerus, obviously, one of the most intelligent, if not the most intelligent coach that I've ever been around. It's a funny story. I was out golfing with my wife uh, a little while back, and we come up on a tee, and there's a foursome there, and I pull back. You know, you don't drive right up to them. If any of you do that, that's pathetic golf etiquette you know you're supposed to lay back if you should come upon a group that's on a tee you don't pull right up there but i pulled up enough to where i could hear them and they were going on well people complain about majerus and blah 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 and he's just going on and my wife whispers to me if they only knew who was in the cart behind them (laughs) (laughs) all the majerus stories we could tell you know, PK, but that brings up an interesting thing. I, I think it's interesting, and maybe some of your listeners do as well. But as, 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 through your years of, uh, of studying sports and covering beats and coaches and players and teams, where do you draw the line between what you know and, and your, these confidences of which you speak? Because ultimately, you are a penultimate kind of uh, reporter and you're 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 looking for the truth because you want to present the truth to uh, to your readers or your listeners. So, where, where how do you handle that? Well, it depends on how sensitive the information is. Now, I can remember uh, Majerus specifically. There was a player who, and this is, and it happened both schools, uh, BYU and Utah, because I've covered both schools. Covered Utah State for uh, a season or two too in football. And it depends on what level of information. Uh, how sensitive it is. Now, I remember Majerus telling me there was a kid who left his program, and he left his program for some personal reasons that were of no interest to the public. And he told me. He told me he laid it out, flat out, this is the deal. Now, And he said, now you could run with this and really embarrass the kid and his family, or you could just let it go. And the way he presented it to me, this is a young, this is not a professional ball player we're talking about. You know, at the professional level, it's sort of, uh, not quite, but sort of anything goes. We're at the college level. Now, these kids are now going to start getting paid, but back in the day, they weren't and got their scholarship, and that was it uh, if they were a scholarship player. Uh, so it depends on the information. And I remember him telling me, it was a very serious conversation we were having, and uh, he was basically imploring me. You know, just let it let it go. Let the kid go and get on with his life. And I, I evaluated it, and I thought, Coach Majerus is 100% right in what he's telling me. And this does not need to be out in the public. There's other stuff that we vehemently disagreed upon that I made public. Uh, and he was furious at me. And there was a player at BYU that, and I think I told you about it, uh, 
that uh, he was a player and he was practicing with the team. And then in the offseason, he was spending some weekends in a slammer for something that happened. And it was a very, uh, it was a sensitive subject, obviously. And if you knew the particulars of it, which were explained to me by someone at BYU with the intent, I'll tell you because A, I can trust you, and B, when you see the situation as it plays out, you will agree that this is not information that should be made public because it will harm a college athlete. It will embarrass him. It will embarrass his family. The player had since gotten married. It would embarrass his wife, his wife's family, all these things that were out there. Uh, you know, so what do you do think- on that? And, and that situation never revealed it. But then you got the situation with Nick Emery, which was revealed in great length that I had known about for weeks and months ahead, but I didn't think it was worthy to be revealed. You guys at the newspaper did. So that's a real interesting discussion because there are disagreements about what should be made public no question. and what shouldn't. But yeah. a lot of reporters, hardcore reporters, feel as though it's their duty to come forth with the truth. And it gets real complicated when when you have relationships involved. And PK, you and I have talked about this. You know, I mean, you're very well plugged in with many coaches, and some of whom are your friends. And so what do you do? How do you handle that? when you're reporting on somebody, uh, but but you have varying degrees of relationships with them. Some of them you're not really particularly fond of, and some of them are friends. So how, how do you handle that one, my friend? Well, I think it depends on what the news that you're reporting, uh, what, it, what is the point? You know, if, if uh, let's just take uh, Utah. Remember with... Uh, Joe Glenn. Remember Kyle got all bent out of shape. Joe Glenn said during the week at the Wyoming uh, Student Union, no, we're going we're gonna to kick the, these guys' butts or something. And that yeah, was in the... Pepper. It was a pepper. Yeah, and that was in the, in the early days of Kyle as a head coach where if you said, Kyle, I don't like your hair today, he was ready to drop you. <laughs> you know, he was feisty and ornery, and he was ready to go. Right. So, what does he do? They're they're slaughtering him. Was it the start of the second half that he goes with the onside kick or something? Yeah, yeah and, they were up like yeah. thirty five. <laughs> right, right. So he does an onside kick, and Joe Glenn flips him off, and it was caught on television. Well, okay, then you come in. And I can remember I was asked that night to write something on it, and I wrote that that was a dumb thing to do. You shouldn't have onside kicked, and so what? He said it to the students at at a pep rally. Well, of course, we're going to go down to Salt Lake. Man, if we keep it within 30, we'll be happy. I mean, come on. You know what he's going to say. He's going to get fired up. It's a pep rally. It's in University of Wyoming. Uh, smallest fan base in the conference, one of the smaller ones. I mean, obviously they've got all sorts of uphill battles to overcome given their location and all that stuff. And so you, you, you shouldn't have done that. And Joe Glenn probably shouldn't have flipped him off, but nevertheless he did. So, and then we were doing the radio at the time. Then you come in here on, on Monday and said, oh, that, that was dumb. But at the time, you know, between the, the play and the um, time we got to broadcast Monday morning, Kyle had apologized. So in that situation go at it you know go at it big time but once it gets involved in personal stuff 
uh, and I don't want to give up any more than that. And you know some stuff that that I know that took place and whatnot. So you got to understand. And we were, I was, I think I was just talking about that. Who was I talking about it with? I can't remember. Um, how you know it's an interesting di- uh, situation because uh, newsmakers slash coaches they they use the media, and yeah. sometimes you get played, and it's a give and take. And I've been played. And I admit I've been played sometimes, but that's the way it goes. You know, you got to go uh, do what you think is right, even though you're, you're getting played, but you're getting played for the extent of being able to have the news. So it's, it's a constant cat and mouse game that is played, and you use your best judgment in each situation and recognizing you're probably not going to be right 100% of the time. So I know a couple of uh, coaches who you're really close to, I'll I'll tell you my attitude about this. I have had some coaches uh, and players that I haven't really particularly cared for, and and coaches that I really like and players I like. So it's it's as a columnist and a commentator, it's a tricky business because you don't want to allow that to uh, come into play like you were talking about uh, with Kyle. And and I, I when I have these conversations with coaches, I say exactly what you just said, PK. I say, if you do something really dumb, I mean, I really like you. I like your personality. I, I like you as a person. But if you do something, or if you, if there's some news to break that uh, it doesn't necessarily shine a favorable light on you, uh, it has to be. It has to come to light. You know, if it's uh, an appropriate story. So. Anyway, uh, it, it is it is a balancing act, and it's always been that way in sports. You and I, going back many many years, know that guys are plugged in uh, with all kinds of coaches and players, and and it, but but ultimately, you do have to have a responsibility for the people you report to, which is namely listeners and readers. Oh yeah, no question about that. Yeah. And I think, you know, as long as your supervisors understand that, you're good to go. I'm just, in the final analysis, speaking with the legend, Gordon Monson, that you can hear him. It's right to, uh, on our station. It's 2 o'clock this afternoon. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that you don't think there's any question that the Jazz are going to win the NBA title in 2022. That, that blows no. me away, but that's your opinion. So, never you know, so be that. it. <laughs> never said that. <laughs> I <laughs> never said that. Because <laughs> uh, I wouldn't bet, uh, I don't bet on sports, and I wouldn't bet a whole lot of money on that. But I do think that the Jazz are pretty damn talented, and they have an opportunity to do something. But, I mean, when I look around, in order to win an NBA title, you know this, PK, you got to be good and you got to be lucky. I mean, you everything. Do. Everything has to come together in just the right way. I'm not one of those guys that says, Oh, you know, the Jazz, just enjoy them for what they are. No, their job is to do everything they can to win a title. Uh, and, and, and fans deserve that, especially Jazz fans. They've been hanging with this team for a long, long time. Uh, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say they're gonna do it because I, in my heart, I, I don't believe that. But I think they've positioned themselves pretty well. Well, what I do know is I offered, because I came into a little money, and I offered to take you and your wife on a 10-day Mediterranean cruise next June, but you declined because you said, you know, I'm going to be busy covering the NBA Finals. So <laughs> I just I just took that information and assumed that you believe that the Jazz were going to win it all. Maybe I extrapolated a little bit more, but the fact is I was offering to pay 
away for a 10-day Mediterranean cruise, and because of the timing, you respectfully, I might add, declined because you knew you would be extremely busy at that time, and you mentioned something. I was, I got close to you. You didn't really shout it. You sort of whispered it, but you mentioned something about being at the NBA Finals. There is, uh, there is one word that describes what you just said. And that's true. It's, it's the only swear word I've ever said <laughs> on the air <laughs> back in the day. And, uh, it, well, let's just abbreviate it to BS. Big story. Exactly. Exactly. It's a big story. I agree. Very much a big story. You've got your thoughts. You share them. You write them. You articulate them. And we appreciate them on top of that. Thanks for joining us this morning, Gordon. You are so full of crap. Hey, you know, this whole this whole segment reminds me of the time I went to PK's birthday party. And uh, there were there was a big crowd of people there. And uh, the time was turned over to him. And, PK, you, you gave a monologue that went on for a half an hour that uh, impresses me to this day. So uh, that's what this felt like. But I'm glad I could elicit this out of you. I, your listeners appreciate it. All right. Thanks for joining us, Gordon. Listen to you t- uh, this afternoon with Jake Scott at 2 o'clock. See you, man. All right. That's Gordon Monson. You can read him. At the Tribune, you can hear him right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone every Monday through Friday. The Godfather, Vito Monson, as we refer to him. When I get with him, I genuflect. That's a Catholic term for kneeling and kiss the back of his hand because he is the Godfather. There's no question about that. All right, what do you think? Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.